0: joining me today is mike stewart the owner
2: of wild rose kennels and mike and i have been talking back and forth quite a bit about different retriever training tactics and and tips and and one thing that we have both agreed on is introductions and introducing your dog to the various aspects of of waterfowl hunting and so i've got mike on he's gonna you know we're gonna go through some of these but mike thanks for joining me today
1: great to be here looking forward to the season
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, but as we do look forward to the season, there's one thing um, that a lot of retriever trainers out there miss the mark on a few different things. If they know, let's say they know they're going to hunt in a specific type of um, scenario or hunt out of a specific blind or a boat, are they introducing these aspects in the right way and that's what I kind of wanted you to talk about and we can even start out with um, let's say you know some scenarios that you've had where you've had you kind of mentioned where you've had DUTV where you've had to ask them hey you know what are you guys hunting out of so I can teach the dog how to do this
1: I'd be glad to st- start with Alvin because he goes back to 2001 when we were taking Deke and he was a Drake and he was a young dog uh, Mark Pierce mm-hmm. was hunting most of the time and I, I'd be down training but uh we'd have a show coming up and I'd say, Okay, where are you gonna go? What's you gonna do? What conditions you're gonna be hunting in and I would train to those aspects. You know, we've had a saying um in the wild Roos way of the methodology of training, the first time your dog experiences something should not be opening day at sunrise. Yeah. You know, the always learn through progression, repetition and consistency. So you have to introduce some of these variables um and we we'll call them the introductions. Why don't we just call them those? But well before the hunt. Well before your dog first the first time of the season, listen. You know, you, you get invited on a bird hunt and your dog has never seen pointers running in front of them. He's going to want to join the race. <laughs> he's going to go to a duck hunt and you've got spinners and robo ducks out there. He's never seen one. Well, he's going to go investigate them. So let's talk. Let's talk about the progression. Then, you know, how do we get a dog acclimated to all the different things they're going to experience? If you're an overland hunter going all over the country doing a lot of different things, so basically let's just I'm just going to give you some ground rules for for our listeners. First it's progressive. There are no surprises in this type of training. You want to build through confidence. You don't want any fear factors. You don't want any surprises out there. So you want to acclimate the dog well before opening day. Whether it's a big decoy spread, it's lay down blinds, dog hides, flags, uh, spinners, roboducks, dabblers, whatever you're going to be doing. Uh, The second thing is you're – you go to the one of the Wild Rose Laws of well, the 20 we use, get it right on land before going to the water. Everything should be introduced on the land. Boats, blinds, water stands, what else? Uh, lay down blinds, um, decoys of all sites. Uh, put them on the ground first so the dog has got his feet. Don't make it complicated. Keep your drills very simple when you're doing introductions. You don't want real complicated drills with a lot of distractions. So we call that the uh, stimulus package. So when we introduce a, a concept, we you know, we may have very few distractions, something new, something big. We'll talk about that introducing gunfire. It'll be pretty simple what we ask them to do because the distraction is big. On the other hand, if we have a lot of, uh, we want more of a complex trail, we'll minimize the distraction. So in introductions, the things we're asking the dog to do are not that difficult, something they can be successful at, but the the interesting things are the uh, things that they're trying to learn of all the different introductions that, for instance, a boat ramp, a ramp to go up and down of a, bl- a blind, duck blind. You don't want a complicated retrieve combined with that. And then think about the four levels of training, yard work, field work, transitional work, and hunting. Yard work is your basic introductions of obedience, steadiness, denials, uh, and this way you do a lot of your introductions in yard work. Field work is your practical exercises, your drills, and then we're going to start moving our distractions and our introductions to the field after they've been introduced in the yard. Transitional work is scrimmaging, practices you will play. Uh, now we're going to put our, uh, our roboducks out, our decoys out, our flooded timber, whatever we're going to be doing. That's We're going to practice that before we actually go on the hunt. You don't want the first time the dog sees this is opening day. In
2: sunrise, like I said. Yeah, no, and I, I I can very much relate to this. And 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 uh, before I moved to Memphis um, in 2007, I had a retriever, and I lived in Indiana and I hunted all the time with this retriever. And but we hunted, you know, out of a boat, or we hunted like up on land with like a small temporary blind, or you know. And then uh, when I moved here the scenarios changed so much. I didn't have a four-wheeler or well, I come down here and everybody's got a four-wheeler and it really, yeah, yeah. you know, the, my, I, I never hunted with, with anyone with a four-wheeler and all of a sudden, you know, there's 10 four-wheelers driving around in the field and my dog is really kind of panicky, kind of freaked out. So, it, so this is a very good, um, discussion as far as introducing everything about waterfowling. the, the, everything from the blinds to the um, even the four-wheelers like I said you know there's ways to introduce this as you tie it into your training um, but one quick introduction that I wanted to, to discuss with you uh, when are you introducing water to a dog
1: if it's in the middle of the winter I don't take a pup in the swimming in warm days a puppy is already interested in doing some little short retrieves where you can toss bumpers out they bring them out little 180s like toss one one direction one the other pup runs and gets one brings it back and then I get a real shallow water's edge, nothing deep, and I start wading out there with either my boots on or barefoot, either one. And the pup's going to follow you. And he's got his feet, and he's balancing around in the water, bouncing around the water, and I'm tossing those little bumpers. The distraction is and that bumper, he's a, he wants to go get it and play with it and grab it and bring it back and I just wade slightly deeper, slightly deeper. It may take about three days before I actually go out deep enough that they swim a stroke or two, and you'll never have any trouble. I always tell people, I guarantee you, the first time your dog sees water, he's going to get in it because you're going to be in it with him.
2: Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good – and we've actually shot – we have a couple videos on ducks.org, and I know you probably have some on uh, uklabs.com that, that – uh, explain that first introduction to water. And then that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think it's a very good aspect that you're getting in with the dog, um, staying very shallow first few times and and keeping them interested in it with the bumper as well. Um, So let's kind of move on to introduction to one of the biggest aspects of waterfowling. And one of the most probably discussed is gunfire. So, you know, you've introduced the decoys. You've introduced you're doing all of this on land. When are you taking that step to gunfire?
1: Well, most people um, that have bought a, a good hunting dog uh, won't, won't have any trouble with the genetics of the dog being gun-shy. There are some breeds of dogs that are relative gun-shy. I've had some jack Russells that were naturally gun-shy. I ran into some beagles that have. And you have to watch bird dogs that pointer breeds that occasionally can be a little bit sensitive. But most retriever breeds, if you bought them from a reputable um, line of dogs that have been hunting dogs won't be genetically gun shy. You did it yourself. So that's what you got to avoid. So it's more about avoidance than it is anything else. So let's talk about the ounce of prevention here. Uh, never take a dog to a shooting range as a pup to see if he's going to be gun shy or get him acclimated. I call that displacement. The dog, the puppy usually does not show any signs of gun shy and it's at four or five months old, but well, he will at eight. It transfers some way, and I don't know why, but it is very, very likely that it's going to show up at eight months old, not at four months old. I've seen that many times. Uh, the second thing is, you know, keep them away from firecrackers and noises like that. Uh, li- literally, I don't worry about thunder. People say, oh, my dog's afraid of thunder. I've got a lot of dogs don't like thunder. Uh, but uh, he's a heck of a hunting dog. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So don't worry about things like thunder. If that's a problem, but firecrackers are, are a quick way to gunshot a dog, and another one is a handheld launcher. That the crack, the crack of the firecracker, the crack of the twenty-two blank, is far worse than the shotgun. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, the fastest way to gunshot a dog is fire a launcher over their head. The third thing to do is stay away from testing the puppy. Uh, there's an old method of where the puppy is out and eating his breakfast and you walk up behind him while he's eating a distraction and shoot a, pop, a popper over his head. Um Try that with a three-year-old. He's watching TV Saturday morning and eating Cocoa Puffs and walk up behind him and shoot a gun. <laughs> well, the Cocoa Puffs are going to go everywhere. Mom's going to be all over you. It doesn't make any sense for the kids. So it makes no sense for the dog. So you won't no surprises in the introduction of gunfire. So we're going to wait till the pup gets out to about eight months old, actually. Uh, we're going to get the puppy very interested in retrieving. Uh, I start doing a few marks. He's already been through hole conditioning. He's bringing those marks back and giving them to me. I'm sitting down low with the, the, the pup, and I'm going to put a, the gun forward, and there's not going to be any sign of a shotgun or any long gun. The, the, it should be a popper pistol in a bag or your hunting coat that just goes pop. Real, a real uh, dull sound, and the bumper. While the bumper is in the air, the bumper should be in mid-range. puppies focused on that bumper and uh, will not pay any attention to that pop over there. Watch your dog. If he does, you know you stop what you're doing. You got to read the dog. But some people take a long gun out, and the dog gets gets gunshot, and the dog will be. Get, we can get the dog over gunshot. We're trying to get the dog over the shot. But he's still afraid of the sight of the gun. So don't introduce your dog with a gun out in the field to start off with. It should be a popper up where he doesn't see anything but the bumper.
2: Yeah, and that's something. That's something. It's tough to come back from. You know, if you may once you make that mistake, it's a, it's it's a tough thing to overcome um, for for most people, I would imagine.
1: Well, the shot is out in the field. The guy is throwing the bumper. The gal is throwing the bumper. You walk the dog closer and closer and closer to you. I mean, the, the, a gun close and close, the dog's sitting still. He, he brings it back to you, the guy moves in. The guy brings it back to you, the guy moves in. Do it four or five times during the day. Every other bumper, you walk out there and get it yourself, so you're not teaching your dog to break on the shot. You want to maybe have another lure dog there, an older dog, um, four or five, six years old, that's real steady, that's real calm, and he gets a few of those retrieves. The pup's going to see him and copy him. he's not afraid. That's pack mentality. We use a lot of pack mentality in our training. Especially with fear factors and introductions. The older dog is calm. Why should I not, What should I be afraid of? Dogs will really copy that well. So don't throw too many of them. And then we're going to move back out to the field and start over again. He said, like, okay, the guy's standing right by you now with the popper. Popper goes off, no sign. Then we're going to go out, take the, the popper out of the bag, and back, so you get a louder crack. Then we're going to move to a 410. As they move it, we move it cl- each time. They move it back. each time. They move it closer, 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 closer. Twenty days, closer, closer, closer. Go twelve gauge closer, closer, closer. And then multiple shots, bang, bang, and a Where they get used to double shots and slowly move those in. It's going to take several weeks. It's going to take several weeks to do. So it's progressive, and you won't have a gunshot all.
2: And it's that's kind of one of the things that. Um, As part of your 20 rules that you you have, you know, uh, make hay slowly, you know. So it's a progression. This may take two or three weeks. That's something that I think a lot of um, at-home trainers or, you know, people who are are trying to get into, that they they tend to rush everything a little bit. And and gunfire is something that you definitely – the introduction to gunfire is definitely something that you probably don't want to, to rush, I could imagine.
1: And even worse than that, they test. I'm going to test to see if my dog's gunshot. Mm -hmm. And they shoot right over the dog's head. Well, yep, he is. (laughs) (laughs) And then the way that, then what happens is, and they're violating another wild rose law, they recognize the dog scoots under the, uh, under the four wheeler. You mentioned that, under the car, takes off to the house. Oh, I've got to get him over this. Well, you think that in, in teaching a child, you do it several times. They say, oh, it's okay. But what happens every time you shoot and the dog shows a fear, you're entrenching that fear. Mm-hmm. Every time you do it, it's going to be much more difficult to get the dog over it. So dogs learn through repetition and consistency. So if you do it wrong with repetition and consistency, you're teaching it wrong and you're entrenching it. Yeah. So stop.
2: So stop. Stop doing it wrong.
1: Stop. Uh, yeah. you, see, you see the dog react twice. Don't do it again. <laughs> you know, back up.
0: You and your dog are a team.
1: ground. Put your boat on the ground, kayaks, paddle boards, motor boats, put them on the ground. Uh, everything is, starts on land before going to the water. Mm-hmm. So the progression is I pull my boat up on the bank and I work him out on one side of the boat, On, the, on in and out, in and out, in and out. We get in the boat, we get out. We get in the boat, get out. All right, I put him in the boat, I walk up the hill, I drop a bumper, I send him out of the boat, make him get back in. Then just walk to the other side of the boat in the shallow water where he still has his feet do exactly the same thing, in the boat, out of the boat, but he's still got his feet to work. Then wait out, set the bumper out, walk back, get in the boat, send him, he's got a little swimming, he comes back, bounds into the boat. Then you move it out a little bit farther, a little bit farther. Don't take him out in the deep and expect him to work out of that boat. Everything starts on the ground before going to the water.
2: Now, do you see any issues um, introducing a duck call? at the same time that you're introducing the boat? Or do you would you say, hey, let's do these completely separate and then combine them at, you know, the distraction of a loud duck call, um, you know, could be something that a dog could, you know, kind of freak out about. Um, do you do multiple introductions at one time or are you doing one thing at a time?
1: One thing at a time. Let's, duck calls I'm not too worried about. I think you'd be okay with that. But let's say gunfire in a boat. no. I'd get one right in one area. I could be doing gunfire in one of my classes, and then say, okay, we're going to go over the boat and work on the boat now. Okay, that's okay, and then you pair them together. And then we'll say, okay, now we're going to do decoys. Let's talk about decoys. How do you introduce decoys and spinners and robos? On the ground. I get the pup retrieving from, through them, retrieving in them, retrieving them across the field, into the decoys and back, all different angles, and then we move them to the water. Get them doing the same thing on the water, shallow water and then I move them to the deep water, and then I pair them to the boat and the gunfighter.
2: Okay, yeah, so you're, you're
1: basically... that makes sense.
2: Yeah, no, individual individual kind of sessions, and then you kind of just combine it all into... You're, you're moving it all to the water and combining it all into one, and that's, you know, something as, as part of... And I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about all the different... Um, the crazy amount of gear that duck hunters and goose hunters have that you would have to introduce. Um, you know, dog blinds, that's a big one. Um, now, with your place training, you know, that makes the dog blinds and even a dog stand very easy, correct?
1: Right, yes. And we start those place training the day you get the buck. The place orientation is huge and we use it all the way through our training. So a water stand is nothing. A tree stand is nothing to them. Uh, duck blind, a, a, a stand at, or a box, you know, they used to go in and out of the crate. They're going to hop right in that box. You know, you tell them place or hide. They're going to jump right in there because they've been doing it to the pup. They don't, they don't know do anything. It's just a default behavior. So then we would pair that to decoys. You know, okay, now we got a water stand and decoys. Now we've got a water stand, decoys, gunfire, and duck calls, and you just keep building out. But where people mess up is they try to do it all at once, and dogs don't learn that way. Dogs don't generalize well. That means I can show you how to put together a widget. and Okay, uh, got it. You understand how to do it? Right. Okay, now you show me. All right. that's You can do it. That's good. Now go stay in the lake and do it. Dogs don't really do it that way. You have to train it in the yard, the field, the water, that woods, the high grass, the short grass, you have to move it around. So we tell before you can say you've got a good habit or a predictable habit in a dog, you've got to do it five times in five different locations correctly. So there's five different decoy scenarios you have to run before he's got decoys down.
2: Okay. Now now what are there are there any um specific introductions that we really haven't talked about that, that I might have looked looked past. Um, that you've seen some dogs have problems with, you know, some uh, maybe somebody's brought you dogs like, hey man, I just can't get this dog to, you know, get in, you know, get in a, a dog blind that's next to a layout blind, you know, that sometimes the dog wants to look out and you know wants to be in the layout blind rather than being like a dog blind.
1: You know, they want to go out and watch the birds instead of saying in the, the, Another one that is that we've done a lot of work with at all three of our kennels in Hillsborough, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, and Oxford, Mississippi, is really agility training. Because I've gone to some duck blinds that are monstrous blinds. They have ramps and turns and crooks and all kinds of things that the dog has to swim to another location, come up one ramp, come up another ramp. So we teach the dog a lot of agility, going up ramps, through tunnels, uh, over things, under things. We, each of the, each of our locations, we have a whole agility course. And I think that's missing a lot of times in, uh, in some of the hunting programs is how to go under a fence and how to go over a fence, how to go through a fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we practice all three. Then we've got ramps. The pup has to go up the ramp, and he got to go down the ramp, and he's got to retrieve up the ramp. And, and then we've got some ramps that turn, that go and have a turn and go up another level. So the bend into the into the ramp works to work from so many elevated positions. We have a tower they actually work out One of our locations has a tower. That thing is 10, 12 foot off the ground. And they have to we it from that. And so when you hit you, it's really funny. When you hit your whistle, the dog doesn't look up. He turns around, looks around, he's looking for you on the ground. He's never been taught to look up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. The thing
1: about the water has gone down, and you're on top of a duck line trying to handle your dog versus it. Versus in a pit. Yeah. Your chest high. Hmm. So all those kinds of things you have to think about agility. And the, and the average guy says, well, I don't have all that stuff. Well, go down to uh, the dog park or, or the kids' playground in the neighborhood, and there's all kinds of agility down there. Yeah, Seesaws and ramps and things to run through and boards to walk. You can teach a lot of agility just in, in your neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and a lot of these introductions, like, like you would mentioned, where you're doing the kayak and um, the – agility type training comes in handy during the off season as well, you know, because you, I know you do the adventure training um, and we're only duck hunting for 60 to, well, you know, there's longer seasons in other places of the country but here in the Mississippi Flyway we're only hunting for 60 days um, the rest of the year there's opportunities to do things um, and I know you've touched on your adventure training several times but you know I always find that to be interesting because it's all part of the training package it's all part of the introductions and and you are introducing dogs to a, a, a you know multiple things at, through the adventure dog program can you kind of talk about some of the cool things that you've, you've done with dogs where you're introducing them to things Things that you never thought of.
1: Well, sure. There's, We developed 14 different skill sets in two, 2007 for dogs that are adventure dogs. We found a finding a lot of people coming back to the sporting life, outdoor lifestyle, but they don't really hunt. Uh, so uh, we started saying, okay, how can we reach this market of outdoor enthusiasts that would love to have a companion on the trail and, you know, doing a lot of things with them that were completely controllable. So we developed 14 different skill sets and they range from uh, hiking to mountain biking to aircraft or equestrian and paddle boards, uh, kayaking. Well, what's the difference in a, ca- uh, a kayak and a lay down blind? You know, we've got a lay still in it or a uh, Piro boat, um, watercraft, aircraft has paid huge dividends on like guys, some of our clients are hunting in Alaska. they they want those dogs to swim out, get up on the float plane, and pop up in there. We train them to do that. So this is great training for off season. Keeps the dogs in great shape. Mental conditioning is sharp. Uh, their body condition is great. They stay. They don't not overweight. They're out doing things. They're on the trail. Um, Riding at ATVs, ride Jeeping. There's all kinds of things that we've done. And people can earn, uh, titles. Uh, one is trail rated. The second one is adventure dog certified. And the third one is a master trucker. And there's all kinds of things the family can do. It gets, it gets the families out. You know, it gets the kids out working the dogs as well, not just dad. And mom wants to go hiking. Uh, she's a runner. We see that a lot. Uh, the kids want to go out uh, biking and rollerblading. That's great. Uh, An other interesting thing from yours and my aspect of building the hunting market is that many of the guys and ladies that got into adventure dog have flipped into hunting now. Mm-hmm. They started taking shooting lessons. They started traveling with us, and they've been fuzet hunting and they now duck hunting. And I have a whole stream of guys and ladies now that are avid wing shooters. that started with adventure dogs.
2: Wow, that's cool. That's a cool transition for uh, and a benefit for conservation. For, you know, by all means is yeah. just getting more people involved. That's that's fantastic. Um, well Mike this has been a great conversation as as far as introductions go it sounds like you've you know I think we've covered pretty and we there's still probably a million different aspects of duck hunting that um, you would someone may want to focus on um, different variances throughout the country variances the way people hunt um, that we could probably talk about the introduction but I think the fundamentals that you talked about earlier are all the same with just about everything so
1: um, I And I really want to point point, uh, the listeners to your website at ducks.org. And the Sporting Dogs has a wealth of information, really good stuff on there on, on introductions and training their own dogs. And also I invite them to look at our website, uklubs.com, where we have a lot of videos, and they're completely complimentary that you can look at on how to introduce decoys, how to introduce gunfire. I've got several segments on introducing gunfire for both upland and waterfowl. So I hope they'll take a look at that as well for, for more information.
2: Yeah, that, there's there's just a wealth of resources um, among all those websites that, that listeners can go out and, and really learn the fundamentals of how to do all of this. So um, it's been great. Thanks, though. I really appreciate you joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: First of all, I'd like to thank our guest, Mike Stewart from Wild Rose Kennels, um, bringing to light a bunch of great information as far as introducing the various aspects of waterfowling uh, to your retriever. Uh, I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for doing a fantastic job putting the podcast together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening to the Ducks Unlimited Limited Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation.